Let's read from 1 Peter chapter 3 and verse 18. Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit, by which he also went and preached unto the spirits in prison, which sometimes were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls, were saved by water. The like figure, whereunto even baptism, doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is on the right hand of God, angels and authorities and powers being made subject unto him. Verse 21, the like figure whereunto even baptism doth now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience. This, this verse grabbed me last night and then on through the morning about the conscience, the conscience. I want to talk to you today, the answer to the conscience, the answer to the conscience. Jesus, I thank you for your, your word today. I thank you for the power that I feel already in this place today. I ask you for an undertaking of your spirit today like never before. God, that you would lead our hearts, you'd lead our minds, and let your word expound. Let there be light, God, where there has never been light. In your word that is full of light, but in us where we're lacking, God, fill us today with the light of your word. I pray in Jesus' name we pray. God bless you. You may be seated. Take this and try to find. I'm going to let you look for this for a minute. It's Twitter. Got to find Mark Shoots. His tweets. I don't know how to do it, but he's somewhere in there. <clears throat> we are, uh, we we are as the church, safe and secure in the the Word of God. We have uh, a lot in his word that uh, comforts us and helps us through the challenges, not only that we face as individuals, but when you look at things outside of our four walls. Here we come today and you and I feel the presence of God. We feel the peace of the Lord. And it's not because of a building. It's not because of... Uh, fancy uh, music or fancy lights or uh, fancy preaching. What you feel in here is because we're carriers of the presence of God. 
And when we begin to worship Him and praise Him, His presence comes wherever there's worship and praise. So the peace that you and I feel and uh, the, the liberty that we feel here today is because the presence of God is here. But it's not here just for you and I of our own. Uh, there's needs represented, but it's not just for that. It's to give us insight of how when we leave this building, how do we face the things outside these four walls? Because for a moment, unless you and I are just inundated and battling in our mind right now, for a glimpse, for a moment, we'll get a glimpse of, hey, there's hope. or there's Whether you and I maybe feel a goosebump or not, you feel just something a little bit lighter in your spirit. We've said it when you leave church. Man, I just feel better by going to church. Well, it's not because you heard a great message per se or you heard great uh, singers or you, you got maybe the, your, your favorite person shook your hand, but it was because you had an encounter with God. Even though you might not understand Him, you felt something that only He can bring to you. See, this is what takes out of this, this uh, church stationary or church name tag. I'm glad that you got a name tag on a church, but what makes a church is an encounter with God, not the building or the longevity. Because I know a lot of churches, Brother Bush, now have been around 100 years, and they got Acts 2.38, and there ain't near the presence of God in there than the man in the moon. It's just a place to occupy. It's a place because it's familiar. It's a place that's become common. What God is wanting and intending for you and I is that the conscious state of mankind is in a forever awareness of His presence. You say, well, Benoit, that's, that's not real deep. I'm not trying to be deep today. I'm trying to get someone to understand God's not very far from where you are. God's not very far from the valley you may be walking in or the question you're having of what do I do in this next phase of my... What do I do in my next phase of life or my next phase of business or my next phase of... Do I take the job? Do I don't take the job? Do I move? Do I... And all God's trying to say here today... There's an answer to that consciousness that is trying to register. God's with me. But yet everything around you and I is bombarding the consciousness of man. And it does not want you and I to perceive. I'm not trying to come to you here today with some Norman Vincent Peale, the power of positive thinking. I'm not trying to come with some psychological approach of the psyche of man or the conscientiousness of man. That's not what I'm coming about. I'm coming to you from the word of God that says there is an answer to the conscience. That the conscience is asking a question. Man is three part body, soul and spirit. The conscience is that soulless arena of man that was darkened when Adam fell. And because of Adam's sin, the consciousness is darkened. But here's one thing. Even sin could not silence that conscience. 
What it tells me is this. It doesn't matter how far I may go from God. There's an underlying element of the consciousness of man that is still going to try to reach for God. It's still going to try to understand that there is a God. I'm telling somebody here today, you're never too far removed that hope can't find you. You're never too far removed that the presence of God can't strengthen you. Never far that that consciousness. See, God created you and I that way. So I said, I'm not going down a psychological road and I'm going to break down what it is. I'm only going to tell you what Scripture says it is. And the consciousness of man was darkened because of sin in Adam. And it says through the disobedience of one, Adam came the obedience of another, Jesus Christ, and gave you and I an answer to the consciousness of man. See, because in man's fallen state, he knew he couldn't save himself. I wish that revelation would sweep across this world. We can't save ourselves. We can't fix our problems. We can't work it all out. We can't get in a room and begin to figure out how the world is going to be fixed. But I can tell you one thing. If the answer to the conscious can ever be answered, and the answer is there's hope in Jesus Christ. There's hope in the gospel message. Conscious, conscious state. See, God made you and I with a God consciousness. And no matter how darkened and how far the sin may be. Now, I know that there's a point that the conscious can be seared. We'll talk about that later. But I'm preaching to people that you're trying to do the best you can. You're trying to live for God with everything you got. You might not have it all figured out. You might not have all the answers to it. But the God consciousness in you today is saying, God, I need to make some allotments. I need to make some changes. I need to do some things in my life that I need to make different for the... We all base it on the upcoming year. But you don't have to wait till New Year's Day. You don't have to wait till next New Year's Day of 2020, 2022. But you and I today can give an answer to the consciousness of a man you know what that word answer properly translate question but then it goes even further brother Ed interrogation so what he just said find that verse for me what he just said was is baptism is the interrogation of something the conscious of mind see because man Knew I'm not right with God. Man knew that it needed a Messiah. All the Old Testament waiting for a Messiah to come to redeem Israel back from what they lost. They knew that there had to be something or somebody, a Messiah. That was going to redeem them out of. See, because they were living under the guilt of what they had done. Guilt is a, is a painful place. I wish I had a little bit more amen than that. Guilt is a painful thing. When I've made a mistake, 
the conscience says you did wrong. And the guilt then begins to come and say, I'll never forget one of the greatest stories I love hearing told is her brother, old Monty, younger brother, Monty. He was coming off the bus one day, and I guess it was report card day. I wish I could remember in detail like your daddy tells it. But Monty coming down the driveway, so rattled with guilt of that report card and whatever he had on that report card, knowing what he was going to face once he got to the house. But see, the guilt in his mind. I've been at places, Brother Aaron, where I didn't need mom and daddy to tell me what I did wrong. I knew in my consciousness that I had erred in myself. See, we look at that and go, that's a bad thing. And the world says, you need to get rid of that. You don't need to feel guilty. You need to be happy with anything and everything. But you and I need to understand there's a consciousness that's being integral. There's a consciousness. It's being integrity. How you say it? Integrated. That's what I'm trying. What's the word? Integrated. My consciousness took a, a vacation. Integrated. I can't say that thing. I said it the first time. Somebody just be my word. Say it. Interrogated. 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 I'm going to mess it up again. Watch. No. My conscience is being questioned by what happened, what just happened. Now you see, this is a twofold message because it could be somebody that's never come to receiving or obeying the gospel. And they've heard the gospel message over and over and over again and they know See, the conscience is being questioned and saying, you, you, you can't keep living like this. And, and where we as a church have tried to make it where, it, it, you, we, we've said it before, no more conviction. When we need to understand in the word of God, conviction is where you and I come to the awareness of, I've done wrong before God. And if we eliminate the God consciousness that's being interrogated and saying, hey, you can't do that no more. And there's an answer that the consciousness, we can override that and put it to sleep. We can put our conscience on the back burner. Here's what we say. Well, I'm really not that bad. I really am not that bad. I, I don't do it. I mean, I come to church I, 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 and conscience is being interrogated see interrogated it's being interrogated it's sitting under the spotlight brother Mike of the word of God The word of God is shining. See, when you understand what he's talking about, this is about baptism, and I'll get into it here in a minute. But this verse is is more than just baptism. It was the hope to the world, Brother Charlie, because they had messed up. They had dropped the ball. The, the, The Jews, the Gentiles, they were lost without God. 
and they are going through. What do you think Acts 2.38 and 2.37 was about? Give me Acts chapter 2 verse 37. What do you think verse 37 was all about? Peter had just preached the message. He was Lord and Christ. And watch their response when he preaches the message. They came back with a question. What shall we do? He started at the beginning, the, the very elemental, the, the elementary uh, foundational level of the church. Because it all goes back to the conscience, the God consciousness in you and I. See, that's why they're trying to eliminate God out of the picture. The world don't want to deal with God because if we eliminate God out of the picture and out of the schools and out of the government, then we don't have to be accountable to why we're not acting like the God that we claim we serve. Because if I claim to serve God, then there's somewhere in my life that I've got to become more like Him. I gotta become more. But if I can get the God picture out, if I can shut my conscience up, Where are we at in the country? The consciousness has been silenced. Now you can kill a fetus, a baby. Knife, six months, one month, three days. They're trying to, it don't matter. See, because conscience says, this ain't right. Conscience is being questioned. Is this really a right thing or a wrong thing? Are we really crazy? Come on, let's take it down to where we are. I really don't have to go to church every Sunday. I'm going to come down where some of you are right now because you're falling asleep on me on the other direction. I don't really have to be there every time. I don't really have to lift my hand. I don't really have to do this. And the consciousness. I'm not eliminating your sick. I'm not eliminating these factors that you and I have got legitimately. But I'm talking about just the fact that I'm cocked back in my lazy boy. And I just don't feel like getting dressed. If you and I aren't careful. The God consciousness is going to slowly be put to sleep. Where it don't really matter. you and I are not short or far from buying into. We preach worldliness and we preach the things of the world. Don't act like the world. Don't drink like the world. Don't snort like the world. Don't smoke like the world. But here's another factor that we did not add to in our separation. Don't think like them. Because everything outside this church and what you're hearing today from the word of God is wanting to tell you and I, it don't matter. You can just do it however you want to do it. You can live it like however you want to live it. And you can act however. And God's trying to know I put that consciousness in you. That when my presence comes, the question can be answered. I'm there for you. And then you respond back to the presence of God. I know you came for me. I know we would see miracle after miracle if the answer to the consciousness could be given he's asking today the conscience of man is asking for an answer to the question should I should I look at what they did Peter preached a masterpiece get, get, get the contextual background 
There's Jews. There's all nationalities at the bottom. And in the upper room, they're talking in tongues. And downstairs, they say, what in the world? We hear everybody in our own native tongue. How what's going on? And Peter stood up that day and preached the masterpiece. He didn't have a commentary. He didn't have no training. He was a fisherman. But he was moved on by the Holy Ghost. You know what happened? The consciousness of Peter was so submitted to the will of God that when the question came, Peter, can you do this? Peter rose to the occasion and began to preach to those Jews and every nationality. He preached to them, Lord, that Christ was Lord. And when he got done and they heard this, they were pricked. One translation says it like this. Or many translations says it like this. It was like a sharp pain. A stab often associated with emotion. Cut to the heart. Pierced to the heart. Folks, the word of God is supposed to cut. If I come to church, Brother Mark and tell, I, I need to be encouraged. I need to be uplifted. I need to leave with hope in my heart. Brother, you would always tell it like this. Never give somebody, or he would always say, people coming to him and counseling, don't ever come to me with the problem without giving me an option or giving me some possible solution. Same thing goes with preaching. He said, don't ever preach people so far down that you can't give them hope at the end to tell them that there's a way out. Don't put, folks, you and I, the enemy does it well. He puts us so far down and says, there ain't no way out. I'm here to preach to somebody. The word of God may cut you and I, but there's a bomb of Gilead that he can put on the wound. And if you and I will turn to him with a God consciousness, God can put our world back together. He said it cuts associated with emotion. What's he saying? The will, the consciousness is the emotion of man. And as you open yourself up to the word of God, it hurts. But now watch what Peter did. And they were pricked in their heart. And Peter said to the rest of the apostles, men and brethren, there it is. There's the question to the consciousness. I feel there, there, there's this battle going in. There's an answer that my consciousness is needing, a response. And I need an answer. What do we do? See, this story shows the playing out in natural form of how the consciousness of man is operated. They're asking now the question, what do we need to do? And Peter comes back and says, repent. And be baptized, every one of you. See, because they were looking for forgiveness. I hope I'm making sense today. The consciousness of man is looking for freedom. And the consciousness of man, it can only be found that freedom in forgiveness. Think about when you did wrong. Let's say you and her fussing and fighting and you did wrong. You washed that red sweater with her white blouse. 
and you're in trouble. And you know you messed up. You know you hurt or upset her. It was her favorite blouse. You feel guilty. Here's what some of us do. Well, how was I supposed to know that? That's not the right answer. (laughs) You feel bad because of the hurt you did to her. I'm going somewhere with this. I'm not just telling you a story. Proper, I hurt you. I disappointed you. Guilt for what was done. So what relieves the guilt for what you've done? Come on, somebody. What relieves his guilt? Going by another blouse ain't going to fix it. It may help tomorrow, but not today. What will fix your guilt is her turning back to you saying, I forgive you. I forgive you. So the answer, that's why I said, quit going down Acts 2.38 in baptism. If I get to it, I get to it. I'm trying to get you to see the bigger picture of how the consciousness that God created in you and I works. It was meant to be forgiven. The answer for the consciousness is, I'm forgiven. I'm forgiven. And it's not just this relationship. It's that relationship. There's no greater peace you will ever find than to know I went to God with my sin and God forgave me. The guilt's now removed and my conscience is free. My conscious thinking. Come on, folks. How many of you have had guilt rob you when all it would take would be, I'm sorry. Because the answer the conscience is looking for is, you're forgiven. One translation for the word repent. And here Peter, he starts it on the right foot. He didn't, I've often wondered, why didn't he say, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Ghost and... I know repentance is first part. I understand that part. But how? Everything that the Word of God does is specific. And the reason Peter put repent first is not just so you'll get the Holy Ghost. That's the elementary believing. Well, if I repent, I get the Holy Ghost. Thank God for that. But the greater meaning was the word repent in the original Hebrew goes all the way back to comfort oneself. What it means is is this, when I repent, and repent means to turn, change one's direction, change a mind. When I bow down and say, God, I want to turn from what I did to you, I receive comfort to oneself. And we've got a miserable world. We've got miserable families. We've got miserable people. When all it would take would be one word of repentance. A mindset that says, God, I'm not waiting on the Holy Ghost to comfort me. I'm going to find comfort in me coming to you saying, I want to please you. The answer to the conscience. But oh, how hard it is to say, I forgive you. I forgive you. You know, that's why some people I've heard struggle with coming into our assembly. 
It's in every church. Because 30 years ago, 40 years ago, they never learned forgiveness is liberating. And all it would take would be me or you to say, I forgive you. I hold it not. Or vice versa. Maybe they did it to you and I. And all it would take would be them coming. That's why we need a fresh baptism in this world of a forgiveness. That we just, God, I forgive. I'm going to love whether I like loving or not. I'm going to love and I'm going to appreciate. And I'm going to be thankful to God for the church and for the people of God. We're in the battle of the last days. Did you ever find that? And we've never seen it on this fashion. Everybody okay? There it is. Now I know why I stay married to you. This is from a reputable man of God. That I I trust his word and ability to hear from God. Hold this for me, brother. Wait, I ain't got a pocket. And I got to blow it up because these glasses ain't strong enough. Word of the Lord came to me December 24th. I have heard, I've seen the turmoil of nations, saith the Lord of hosts. Yet I'm not through dealing with them. For many have not submitted to my summons and will. You want to know why? Because they've drowned their consciousness. So what do you and I need to pray for? If we got lost loved sons and daughters and family members, what do we need to pray for? God, wake up their consciousness. Wake up their ability to see what's right and what's wrong. Don't let them be skewed by what's going on outside and what's right or what's wrong. Don't let their minds be skewed by what this... Uh, I try, listen, I don't want to hear the words of some fancy politician. I don't want to hear the words of some fancy salesman. I want to hear what the Word of God is telling me because I'm in an hour... Well, I struggle knowing right from wrong. It's not because I'm inherently bad. It's not because you're inherently bad. It's because our consciousness is needing an answer. It's under question. And he said, they have not submitted to my summons or my will. So I will yet call upon the winds of turmoil. And the land for quaking as I call the earth to attention before me, saith the Lord. I'll be honest with you. I wasn't really excited about this. Because did y'all catch the last part? It said, I'm not done shaking everything up. We stood in February, Brother Smith, and I felt the Holy Ghost say, something's fixing to come to this area that's going to shake it like it's never been shaken before. And we got hit with COVID, and we got hit with hurricanes. And now, I, I, and I hate to tell you, I'm not pr- pr- playing doomsday, but I am saying this. God's going to get what he wants one way or the other. And the sooner I let my conscience and the word of God be awakened by what's right and stand for what's right and never give up, then you and I need to rise to the occasion in this hour and stand up for the word of God. He says... 
Brother Land is quaking as I've called the earth to attention. Here's what he says. Hear me, O earth. Hear me, inhabitants of the earth. For I am the Lord thy God, creator of all things. And when I call, your response should be, Here I am listening. But you have not listened to me, saith the Lord. So I will declare my name and power. I'm stretching out my hand over the earth with a desire for stillness and quietness. For it is my desire that all people would acknowledge me and hear, saith the Lord. For yet a little while longer there will be darkness upon the earth. And then the sun will shine again. I and hope will return to all nations. I am changing the direction of the nations to properly serve my will. And the end result will be salvation of many people. It started out telling you and I what the problem is. But then he ended at the end of the, the prophecy saying, I'm going to reach for a people that, that, that seems is unreachable. I'm going to look for a group of people that hell has said, I'll never give them up. I'm preaching for your sons and daughters that hell said they'll never be given up. God is going to liberate them. God is going to set them free. And the position for the church is God wake up their consciousness. Because they're looking for comfort. I've even seen it now. Good deeds does not merit salvation. And we are inundated by a false doctrine in this area that says if you get good, you're still going to be saved. You do enough good deeds. And pay enough homage. You can't pay enough money to be saved. And you can't do enough good to be saved. And you can't have enough confession to be saved. But in this hour. In this hour. It's telling people. You know what it says? Don't let your conscience be answered. If you do enough good. I'm not negating good deeds. James dealt with this and so did Paul do did in the book of Romans. They didn't con- you're justified by faith. But then James picks up and says you better know what your works are because they work together. It's not works first then faith, it's faith and that's a byproduct or a byproduct of my faith is my works. But they put all the emphasis on the works. Well, if I get good, if I come to church once a year, surely I'm okay with God. The consciousness of man And the answer the consciousness is asking was just silenced. I'll deal with that on another day. I'll deal with that question on another day. I'll deal with that on another day. I don't feel like messing with that now. Find me Hebrews 9 and 1. Hebrews 9 and 14. Hebrews 10 and 22. Paul said it. I'll read this one while she does it. 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 5. 
Now the end of the commandment is charity and out of a pure heart and of a good consciousness of feigned faith. The word conscious means this, to know with. It is the inner judge that accuses us when we have done wrong and approves us when we've done right. It is possible to sin against the conscience so that the conscience becomes defiled. Titus 1 and 15. Repeating sin hardens the conscience so that it becomes seared. First Timothy 4 and 2 says this. Speaking lies and hypocrisy, having their conscience seared with a hot iron. What Paul was trying to tell Timothy while you find Hebrews chapter 9 verse 9. Here's what Paul was trying to tell Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and then 1 Timothy chapter 4. What he was trying to tell him is this. There's no greater thing that you could ever possess than that's of a pure consciousness. That I can lay my head on the pillow. It, it, it tore me up, Micah. When I was just a kid. As a kid, I'd go to that evangelist Pentecostal church. I'd go to the Pentecostal church one Sunday. I'd go to the Baptist church on another Sunday. I'd go to the Catholic church on another Sunday. And then if, and, and then if my other friends went to another church, I'd go there. But when I went to that Pentecostal church, that old preacher got right up in me. I didn't feel that over there. And here's what would happen with Micah. I'd go home. And in that bunk bed, in that little mobile home living in Moss Bluff, in that bunk bed, I'd cry myself to sleep, Brother Bushnell. And here's what I'd cry. I remember the words of that preacher preaching to me and telling me I got to repent. I got to be baptized in Jesus' name. I got to be filled with the Holy Ghost and speak with other tongues. And my conscience, you see, as I laid on the pillow, my consciousness was being integrated. What? Integrated. Interrogated Questioned And as it's going back and forth It's saying You better hear what that preacher's saying You better listen to what that You better do what that And the answer was coming But yet my conscience was, 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 Was pushing it aside And Paul told Timothy A pure conscience Is the greatest thing you could ever possess Because Conscience Pat you on the back and says you're doing good. Pat conscience comes and said you're not doing good, but you can work it out. And sin keeps coming. And if I'm not careful, Brother Smith, that sin will start hardening my conscience. Remember when I taught and preached about truth? As truth comes, if I don't embrace truth, my heart gets hardened. Take that whole series we taught and apply it right now. Truth comes. Here's what truth is saying. Truth is saying you need to love God with all your heart. Truth is saying you got to love one another. Truth is saying you got to forgive one another. Truth is saying I got to be faithful to the house of God. Truth is saying I got to give God my all. Truth is telling you and I what to do. Conscience is making its greatest appeal. But with no avail in this end time hour. People are not listening to their conscience. That's why conviction is not in our churches anymore. It's not because our preaching has lacked. It's not because our music has lacked. It's not because our buildings have lacked. It's not because our sinner friendliness has lacked. It's because the consciousness of a man has been silenced service after service. Time after time. How many lost people have sat on our pews 
and heard the message of love and forgiveness, but wrote it off as that's just another preacher's words. Have wrote off. You say, Benoit, you're scaring our, our, our visitors with that kind of preaching. You hear me. There's a group of people. It might not be right here around the block. But God's going to bring us people. If it's from Kalamazoo. That's going to have a consciousness about the things of God. And wants to serve God with all of their heart. Eventually God is going to take that heart. That is seemingly far gone. And God's going to resurrect somebody. Paul said a pure conscience. If you're not careful. That conscience is going to be seared. You know what seared means? You can't even feel nothing no more. And then it wonders me, me and Brother Bushnell and other preachers, you preach and it looks like people just sometimes just look at you, Brother Mark and Tail. They're like in a daze. Oh, oh look at so and so. And the preacher's preaching his guts out trying to reach somebody right now. But we're so distracted. Oh, oh, I wonder if, oh, Brother Savoy, I wonder if I heal my, oh, I wonder if, oh, Brother Micah and Brother, I wonder. And the preacher's preaching and we're looking over going, well, I wonder about Brother, I wonder if he had a good Christmas. And all along, the conscience is looking for an answer. And you and I are, are not careful. If we're not careful, that mindset's going to get into the church. I don't know about you, but I don't want that to get into the church. I don't want it to be in our thinking. But I want my conscience to be pure. I want there to be a receptability in my consciousness. That when the word of God gives me hope, I want to take everything I can from the word of God. Because the hour is just going to get darker. Oh, I got to quit. I got to quit. I got to quit. Hurry, give me Hebrews. Real fast, we're going to fly. Which is a figure of time, present, which things offered. Okay, here it is. Which was a figure for time when the present in which were offered both gifts and sacrifices. Man, I can't talk. Here's what he just said. They gave sacrifice and offerings, and it wasn't good enough to save them. Does it matter? It does matter that I give it after, but not as the priority of my giving. It's like this. I've done God a favor because I came to church. I've done God a favor because I gave 20 in the offering. I did God a favor because I know. Here's where you and I have got to position ourselves here in this end time. That I've got a pure consciousness, Brother Bushnell. That when the word of God and when things happen on the outside. See, this is why people get fearful. And people get all worried. And just all beside themselves. Whether it be COVID or it be, it be all these. Uh, I'm not saying they're sin. What I'm saying is, is this. The consciousness God has put in you and I. If I'll give it the right answer. What's the answer? Peter said it. Repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission you say well how do I do that Paul answers it in Hebrews 10 if you've never had the Holy Ghost and been baptized in Jesus name then you're going to be all betwixt and distraught by what goes on outside in the world but if you got the Holy Ghost and you've been baptized in Jesus name Paul gives us the answer Go go to that next one I gave you 9 and 14 
I'll take that. 10 and 22, leave it there. Let us draw near with a, heart, a true heart in full assurance, having a heart sprinkled from an evil conscience for our bodies washed. Paul basically was saying before all of that, that when the blood's been applied... The conscience is pure. So I'm preaching to twofold here today. I'm preaching to somebody you ain't never had the Holy Ghost and you ain't never been baptized in Jesus' name. You're going to always find a misery in life. But when you receive the Holy Ghost and you're baptized in Jesus' name, there's a comfort that's going to come to you that you ain't never had before. And the answer to the conscience is given. But to the individual that's already been baptized... You ain't got to be rebaptized. You just let the blood that was shed applied to that conscience. God, I messed up again. God, I dropped the ball again. God, I said something I shouldn't have said again. And the blood of the lamb can be applied to the conscience that I can get up from a carpet dust and say, God, I've repented and you have forgiven me. And it's through the blood that the answer to the conscience is given. I quit. This whole conscious thing has kind of opened my understanding. Maybe I'll come and teach about it later date. So today, I ask somebody, musicians come. Your battle and my battle today and the days to come is going to be when conscience starts speaking, Brother Darrell. Conscience starts speaking. Do I give it the answer? It properly is required. Do I ask God at that moment? That's why I go back to the sweater thing. You know the difference between world, Paul talks about this worldly sorrow and godly sorrow. Worldly sorrow is this. Worldly sorrow is you ruined her blouse and you're not sorry for the hurt you caused her. You're just sorry for the consequences she's going to give you. In other words, she's going to put a whooping on you. That's worldly sorrow. Godly sorrow is this. I'm sorry I hurt you. See, in this hour, here's what we've lost. The ability to look to God, Sister Claudia, and say, I grieved you today. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. See, that. It takes God letting a a, a 10 ton nuclear bomb drop on us and all hell to break loose in our family for us to go back and go, did I cause this maybe? Come on, y'all with me? Did I do this to myself? Why does it take a nuclear bomb when really if I would have just let my conscience through the gospel message lead me and guide me? Everything would be okay. Stand with me. Peter says where doth now baptism saves you not good works what saves you and I is baptism repentance baptism in Jesus name and baptism of God's spirit on us and in us because he later goes on and says and he compares it to Noah and all this stuff But then he closes out that chapter with this. For the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Here's what he just covered. There's two baptisms. Water and spirit. And without the baptism of the water in Jesus name. 
not titles. Father, Son, Holy Ghost, all you did was get wet. It has no power to deliver you of your sin. Being baptized in the name of Father, Son, Holy Ghost, that's titles. I've used this analogy before. If I go to Brother Dale and bring my check to the bank and I sign my check at the bottom, endorse it. They're going to look at, if I endorse it, Father, what do you think they're going to do, Brother Daryl? They're not cashing my check. If I endorse it, son, are they going to cash my check, Sister Weta? They're not going to cash the check. But if I put my name on it, that's where the authority's at. There ain't no power in Father, Son, that's a role. But when I'm baptized in the name of Jesus, the authority that can take away my sins, it takes away my sins. So if you're here today, never been baptized in Jesus' name, we got water, we'll baptize you. If you're here today and you've never been born again of the Spirit and received the Holy Ghost, God will fill you with it today. But if you're here today and you've been baptized and you've got the Holy Ghost, but maybe you've just had a side step, maybe you've dropped the ball with something today, all it would take would be one heart to say, God, forgive me of what I've done. I forgive them. I forgive myself. Come on, lift your hands right now. I open these altars. As the musicians get ready to sing. I think it'd only be good that all of us would join hands. Grab the person next to you. And let's all come to the front together.